some days I don't really like that song very much. I feel like it's really repetitive and doesn't say a lot, but that just goes to show you I'm not the smartest guy. <laughs> I'm grateful for you uh, raising your voices together with us. Um, God does something special when his people get together and sing, and um, I'm grateful to be able to share that with you this morning. Thankful for the seasons that he has brought us through. Um, thankful uh, maybe for the last remnant of COVID to have left our congregation. Um, there is coffee available this morning for uh, your, drinking, your drinking pleasure. So finish your first cup and get a second cup. Um, glad to be uh, um, home together with you. And thankful also for Ryan. He kicked off for us a, a new series last week that's just simply called Teach Us to Pray. And we're borrowing the title for this series from um, Jesus' conversation with his disciples as recorded by Dr. Luke. Um, but the, the way that we're exploring it is through Jesus' teaching in Matthew. Because uh, in his teaching of Matthew, when he teaches us how to pray, it's actually in the context of a, of a larger sermon. The sermon stretches from chapter 5 all the way to chapter 7. And right there in the middle, in the heart of it, is Jesus' teaching on how we should be praying. Um, and I don't know like, if you're like me. I suspect that maybe you are. I grew up in a spiritual family, a religious family. We were in church a lot. And um, so I got to see a lot of different people and how they interacted with God and how they prayed. And a lot, of the, the, a lot of my prayer life was really just trying to copy the people that were praying around me. Um, if, if there was somebody who, uh, I'm trying to think, <clears throat> there was a fellow in the church where we were growing up, and he was a little bit kooky. He had a really big beard, so you knew he was dangerous. And he, um, he had a habit of always saying, good morning no matter what time of day it was. And so it was just a little kind of a goofy thing. Like you'd, he'd, it'd be, we'd be there on Wednesday night, and it's pitch black out. It's just after the time change. Everybody's really, and he'd be like, hey, good morning. Like, All right. But that kind of an attitude carried into his prayer. And when he would talk to God, there was um, a familiarity and a little bit of a silliness of like, like hey, good morning, God. And like, okay. Like there's a, an attitude of how he approached God that um, carried over. Um, I can remember very specifically, I don't know where I picked it up. I had a formula. Maybe you have these formulas too. I had a formula, um, Dear Heavenly Father. And I don't know who it was that I picked it up from. I just, as long as I can remember, when I started to pray, I always started my prayers with, Dear Heavenly Father. And I can remember the day that I was praying with um, my friend Robert, and it occurred to me that his formula, formula, how he started to pray was, and God. And I thought, like, every time I ever heard him pray, he just, he just was like, hey, and God, and started. And I thought, well, that's not the right formula. Isn't he supposed to, like, isn't he supposed to address God properly? But... What he was communicating, and I, didn't, I don't know if he did this on purpose or not, but what he taught me by praying in that way and praying with me in that way was that God was already in the conversation before we turned to address him. 
that no matter what it was that we were talking about, God was already there. And so when we, when we were praying, when we were turning our attention to God, it wasn't that God like suddenly had to be invited into the conversation. He was already there, and we can just turn and be like, hey, and God, like, can you help us with this? And, and the prayer would go on. And so um, because I think prayer is, is more contagious then I think that it is um, something that we can like teach our way into. I started this sermon series more than a year ago. And I didn't know that I was starting this sermon series particularly. But I started this sermon series a year ago because I started in, uh, at, at some point I made the conscious choice. Because I usually pray when I start a sermon. I'm not going to pray my prayer. I want to pray the prayer that Jesus left for us. And so we have, for more than a year now, prayed together the disciples' prayer at the beginning of the sermon as we've been going through. And as we have done that, one, I think it has affected my prayer life. I don't know if, if it has yours, but it has changed how I approach things. And it's been so fascinating, especially in the context of like a sermon. Because sometimes we think that sermons are those things that get stuck in a box on Sunday morning or maybe like in our podcast, uh, our car ride, like we'll listen to a sermon or whatever it is. They get stuck in these boxes that don't necessarily infiltrate the rest of life. Um, I've been amazed that as we pray the Lord's Prayer, how many themes and attitudes that are contained within that that are also things he's teaching us in the sermons that he's going through and, and the ideas that he wants for us to be ruminating on. So... That's a whole lot. That's my introduction last, like for last week. Ryan, I let Ryan preach last week, and that's everything I have to say about the Lord's Prayer to start with. Um, but I get the, the privilege together of, of guiding with you, or beginning, beginning actually dissecting and pulling apart the Lord's Prayer, the Disciples' Prayer, the Our Father um, this morning. Ryan last week showed you what not to do. Because in the context of the sermon in Matthew 6, Jesus opens up his conversation with prayer about, hey, like, you're going to pray. <laughs> don't be a hypocrite. Like, don't just have a bunch of words. Don't just, like, run your mouth. Like, actually pay attention to what you're talking about. Choose your words carefully. And don't just pray, like, in a flowery way so that everybody's impressed. Like, everybody who's hearing you is impressed. Like, because then all you get is the accolades of, of people that actually can't help your situation. Like, you really need to engage with God. So don't be a hypocrite. Just talk and say what you need to say and be done. <laughs> you don't have to convince God. He already knows everything that you need. Okay, if God already knows everything that I need, then why does he waste time? Let, listen to me talk. Um, it's a question I ask myself a lot. And I think we'll find an answer in the first verse here of the Lord's Prayer. Um, we'll pray it together here to begin. Um, I'll put it up on the screen here so that we're using the same words. I don't think, oh, this is off. <laughs> Max, can you give me the next slide? We'll pray it together here at the beginning, and then um, we'll pray it again as we close. But just to open up, um, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So if you would like to follow along, I'd invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. It's on page 1012 if you're using these blue Bibles here. And um, I'm only going to look at one verse, which is super unusual, but I am going to try to put that one verse in the context of some other things that are happening in the chapters around it. So it actually will probably be helpful for you to look at the one verse. So just as a recap, we're going to start in, um, in verse 5 and read the verses here that Ryan covered last week, and then we'll stop uh, with verse 9. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray... Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Pause there. That's the one verse we're going to look at. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And the, I'll give you the big idea up front. I normally like to hold on to it and like work way through some text before I give you the big idea, but I'm going to give it to you up front just so that we don't miss it. Um, well, maybe I'm not. I put it in the back for some reason. God's honor is the focus and the power of our prayers. God's honor is the focus and the power of our prayers. So that's, that's, that's our big idea of what we're trying to draw out of because as we start here, he says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father. So this is where I can be like, I had the right formula because when I prayed, I always said, dear heavenly Father. <laughs> I had the right formula. I knew who I was talking to like, and, and, and my youth pastor, he just started wrong. No, that's not actually it. But Jesus says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father, our Father, our Father. Um, is it appropriate to begin your prayers by just saying, hey, God? Is it appropriate to be like, almighty Lord of heaven and earth, creator and sovereign ruler of all things? Is it appropriate to be like divine master of all creation who threw the stars in heaven and who, who established the earth, who blew his spirit into dust and brought mankind who rebelled against him and now is lowly, low, bend your ear low to hear your servant speak? Yeah, I kind of think it is. I think if you're, if you're looking at the whole text of Scripture, if you come to grips with who the creator God of the universe is, like it would behoove you to go into his presence and speak to him with a little bit of respect. He remembers that we are dust. And oftentimes, I forget. And yet, when Jesus teaches us to pray, he says, start with our father. So if your father 
were the king or if your father were the president, like there is a degree of intimacy that you have with the president or the king that normal people don't have. So like in order to go into the White House, me as somebody who is not a child of the president, I have to have an appointment. I have to have security clearance. I have to have a badge. I probably have to have a security escort. I have to go through a metal detector. I have to X, Y, Z. If I'm a child of the president, I live there. It's my house too. And if I need to go into the Oval Office, then I probably have to have an appointment and I have to schedule with the secretary and the secretary's secretary or the secretary of the secretary's secretary to get an appointment to get in the office. If that's my dad, I just walk in to the office. Hey, dad, what's for lunch? There's a level of intimacy. Yes, there is respect and honor due to God that we have to keep in mind as we're walking into the throne room, but God wants for us to walk in as his kids. Hey, Dad, I don't know where else to go. I can't believe this is blowing up like this. I thought you had everything in control. I thought the whole world was in your hands. We sang the song, like, why does it feel like everything's spinning out of control, Dad? Sure, don't forget the respect. But don't forget that he invites us in. He's our father. I feel, too in the culture that we live in, that it's necessary to just point out that when we pray our Father, it's not about gender. Um, God describes himself using all different kinds of metaphors. God describes himself using mother metaphors too. There, there are scriptures where God describes himself and his relationship with people as God is their mother. Like, yes, that happens, but th- th- this is not about the gender. This is about the relationship. And we know we know. We can pretend we don't know. We can, put, we can try to talk around it for days. But we know that there is a difference between mothers and fathers. We know it by the way that we celebrate the artificial holidays that we have created to honor our mothers and fathers. There's a difference between moms and dads, right? We, we might struggle to like nail down what the difference is. But on Mother's Day, every restaurant's full. And on Father's Day... Every father is grilling meat. There's a difference between what our expectations are from mothers and fathers. And God uses the father metaphor overwhelmingly. Yes, there are mother metaphors, but he uses this this, um, picture of strength and stability and provision. He uses that metaphor for himself more than anything else. He's a stronghold. He's a strong tower. He's a rock that we can build our lives on. God is our Father. So, my first question to you is, have we been adopted into God's family? All of us, by the nature of our creation, all of us have been made. Like, you exist. Hey, newsflash. Spoiler alert. You exist. You didn't really have a choice in it, but here you are. And by nature of that, like, in, and there is a sense in which God is your father because God's the creator of all things and God made you and you're here. 
But there's also a sense that we must be adopted into God's family because we rebelled against him. We walked out. We, we did the whole prodigal son thing. And we went out and sowed our wild oats and did all that kind of stuff. And so there's a separation between us and God that God is willing to overcome. In fact, he has already overcome it, but he extends the invitation for you to be adopted into his family. Have we been adopted into his family? Because if we haven't, that whole reverence, respect, intimacy dynamic is off kilter. If, if I am the, the wayward son who's walked out of my father's household and run his name through the garbage um, and news and told a whole bunch of lies about him and lived in the direct opposite of the way that he wants for his children to live, and then I try to walk into the White House and walk into the Oval Office and go back and say, hey, Dad, what's for lunch? There's a, there's a respect, intimacy dynamic that's got to be there. I want you to understand that the intimacy, the invitation into the family is open. But I need to ask, have you chosen to be adopted into his family? There's something else in this, uh, in the, the grammar of this, that I'm going to point out here, but we're actually going to explore more in, in the following weeks. Notice the prayer is, our father, not my dad. Jesus assumes we're going to pray. Jesus assumes that we are going to pray together. Our father. It's a plural pronoun. (laughs) That actually does have a meaning. I I don't want to talk about it. It has a plural. Plural has a meaning. It means that we pray, multiple pray together. We don't just come to dad by ourselves. We come to dad as his children, kids. That's why we pray this together weekly on a Sunday morning. Like That's that's why I've done it, because it's something that was made for us to pray together in community. He's not just my dad. He's yours too. He is our father, if you've been adopted in his family. Sure, Mike. I get it. He's, he calls himself dad. But man, my dad was jacked up. Like, when I hear God talk about his father, like, that just ugh, puts my, makes my skin crawl. Like, I don't, I don't like my dad. I don't like thinking about God as though he were my dad. Like, dad is, dad is a four-letter word in my vocabulary. How do we avoid confusion When God is our father, how do we avoid confusion when we have all these disappointments with our earthly fathers? Our father in heaven. There's an assumption that we are not where he is. He is our father. Like that that intimacy, that, that connection is real, but he is our father in heaven and we are still present on earth. There is there's a separation. And understanding that that separation is there means that there are things that we have learned on earth about how dads work that are not true about how the father in heaven works. How do we overcome these disappointments? How do we not bring our dad baggage into the relationship with our heavenly father? It takes a lot. 
it's a slow process. I, I wish that I had a pill that could make it easy. It's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of prayers. It's a lot of praying with other people. It's a lot of dealing with the heartache that we've experienced on earth. But it's a lot of all of those things coming to God and asking for his guidance. We need help. <laughs> this, is, this is kind of a simple principle, and I feel stupid having to say it, but I forget it too. We need help understanding heaven. We're not there. We've never been there. It is as a foreign land. And we need help to understand it. So how do, how do we understand heaven? We trust the Bible. We depend on Scripture as our primary guide for life because God leads us most directly through His Word. He, he, he said... And this is what's crazy, right? We have these Facebook profiles of biographical information. Female. I'm not allowed to say her age, am I? Certain age. Um, Mother of six. Jesse. Biographical information. That doesn't tell me who she is. I can give you all the biographical information. You can form kind of a picture of what you think her life is like and what you think she is like based upon the biographical information. If she has had six children, like that communicates something about the degree of patience that she has and, and the values that she has of, of, of life and, and craziness and, and a messy house. Like that's all in there. Probably that's all in there, right? But until you have a conversation with you, I'll tell you what, you're missing out. She can tell you all the biographical information, but until you have these conversations with her and she shares with you her story, until you spend time with her, then you're missing out on who she is. And God says, let me tell you who I am. And there's a category of people, I used to be in these people, and God and his grace has delivered me. There's a category of people that wish that we could just like download the spreadsheet of God's like biographical information and nail out how everything works. Like black and white, this is what, if we do this, then God does this. If we do this, then God does this. We want a textbook of who God is. And that's not what God wrote for us. Do you realize that when God said, I need to communicate who I am, what he did was he took a a compilation of the stories of the things he has already done to communicate who he am, who he is. He doesn't write a biography of like, this is my biographical information. He doesn't give us a Facebook profile. He tells us the stories of how he has loved and how he has saved and how he has served and how he has conquered and how he is putting all things back together that we broke. He tells stories. That's a whole lot more interesting than reading a spreadsheet. At least for me, I really, I really am not a spreadsheet guy. Like, I don't like it. I'm really grateful for the stories. What does God do when we mess up? What does God do when we have the wrong attitude? <laughs> Just how long is his long suffering? Just how great is his love? 
God leads us most directly through his word. So do we trust what God tells, him, tells us about himself? He says, hey, hey, look, like, I'm infinite, <laughs> majestic, almighty creator of everything. And like, that's kind of difficult to understand. Like, let me put it in a way that you can understand. I've got these stories. This is what I was doing. You see what I cared about? I didn't care about, like, necessarily the blood and the bull, because I had another sacrifice that was coming, but I cared about their heart. I cared that they would come and they would bring the first fruits of what they had earned. I cared that they would look at everything that they had and that they would say, all of this came from you, God, so let me give you the best of what you've given to me. Like, I cared about their heart. And, hey, I care about your heart, too. And I care about the distractions and the things that are, that are covering your eyes and preventing you from seeing the work that I'm doing, the, the things that you're stressed about that are preventing you from being grateful for all of the good gifts I'm pouring in your life. I want you to know about me. Will you read the stories? Do we trust what God tells us about himself? Our Father in heaven. Here's the crux, is God's honor is the focus and the power of our prayers. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. That's super King James. Um, What does hallowed mean? Hallowed, hallowed. Here's the thing, like, even if you get a modern translation, like this, uh, uh, we read usually from the English Standard Version translation, and it's a pretty modern translation. There's not a whole lot of King James words in it, but this one they kept. They kept Halloween, which I, I don't know why they did that, but like, is that helpful? What, is, what does hallowed mean? Like, if you got some ideas, throw them at me. What you got, Barry? Sacred, holy, okay. All right, well, you guys are smarter than me. I said it for years and had no idea what I was telling God. Hallowed be your name. Um, I didn't know what kind of magic spell I was casting or whatever. Hallowed be your name. Is Hallowed means holy. I think, yeah, that's exactly what I put in my notes, Barry. Holy, set apart, consecrated. And it's consecrated in, in a context of purity. The fastest way I can describe this to you is by just pointing out your toothbrush. Your toothbrush is holy. It's, it's hallowed. It is consecrated for your mouth and your mouth alone. Hopefully, you have them color-coordinated to prevent confusion for the other people using your bathroom. This is your toothbrush, holy to your mouth. And it is separate and distinct from the, the um, toothbrush that is consecrated underneath your kitchen sink that's used for scrubbing all the grout. You don't want to confuse the two. So when we say, God, hallowed be your name, may your name, would your reputation, would your honor on earth be set apart, be holy, be distinct, be, be maintained in the purity that it actually has. This is a picture of white carpet. Does anybody else get anxiety looking at white carpet? What does white carpet beg for dirty shoes why do they make white carpet don't they know where shoes go don't they know that feet are made for walking across carpet don't they know that if you put white carpet on the ground and feet walk across it the carpet won't be white anymore why do they do this to us 
I had a very similar experience in college. Um, we had a, a small dorm room, and there were three of us packed into it, three, three man-children, man-childs. And they put a sink on the wall for us, which was nice. But the sink was white. And I can remember, because we had weekly like cleanliness inspections, I can remember about six months into my first, uh, my first year at college, scrubbing this sink angry. Angry. They knew that there were little man-children coming to live in this room. They were going to be crammed together. And we're all going to be spitting in the same sink. And why, why, why did they put a white sink on the wall? I was mad at the sink, not at the dirt. And there's times where we go, God, like, why do you have such high standards? Why are you so perfect? And every time I turn around, there's some kind of sin i got to deal with. And, blah, 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 blah. and we get mad at the purity, the hallowedness, the holiness of the almighty creator of the universe, who any time, anything that we have ever considered good has been good because it has been in line with his character. We say, why are you like that? And we get mad at him instead of being mad at the dirt. Our Father in heaven. Dad, you're not like me. I'm so far from you. Like I, There are things I don't understand. Would you teach me? And would you make your name, your reputation, would you make it holy in, in, in a nation, in a, in a culture, in a world that wants nothing to do with you? God's honor is the focus of our prayers. And it's the power of our prayers. Oh, Mike, not mine. <laughs> the focus of my prayers is uh, me. Focus of my prayers is my bills or my teenagers. Focus of my prayers is traffic. Lord, you better sanctify them because I'm going to send them to you. The focus of my prayers is my family. The focus of my prayers is my test that's coming up or having to go back to school. I read a book one time that was called Praying Backwards, um, and it was addressing this idea that I that kind of started with, that we have these like magic formulas that we tend to cling on to when we pray. Um, so I thought that you had to start every prayer with uh, Dear Heavenly Father, which is not, not, not a bad way to start a prayer, but it's not a requirement. Um, likewise, there is uh, another passage in Scripture in, in the book of John where Jesus says, if you ask for anything in my name, then God will give it to you. And so people will often take that instruction from Jesus and say, okay, so we have to close our prayers with, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, and then we automatically get whatever we ask for. So, like, uh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray for a Lamborghini in the parking lot with a full tank of gas. In Jesus' name, amen. It doesn't work. Because... It's not about having the right formula. It's not about having the magic words. 
that convince God to do what we're asking him to. It's about learning from him that when we come to him, his honor is the focus and the power of our prayers. And so as we look at the laundry list of needs that we feel like we have, needs, wants, desires, as we come to him, we say, is this honoring to you as we're asking? God, is this thing that I've I've fixated my attention on, is this worth my attention? Is this honoring to you? Will this keep your white carpet clean or am I bringing my dirty feet into your house? Do our prayers reflect a concern for God's reputation in the world, in our families, in our neighborhoods? Because God's honor is the focus and the power of our prayers. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.